0: In the classic, The Fiddler on the Roof, when TV, and I always pronounce it wrong, Tevye was asked the question, what do you think about suing your friend? What do you think about suing your neighbor? What do you think about the injustice that's occurred? How do we correct that justice? The question was asked by someone in the classic, don't you believe, Tevye, in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? And in The Fiddler on the Roof, one of the villagers, when they asked Tevi that question, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, to which Tevi replied, very good. That way the whole world will be blind and toothless. When we think about justice and righting wrongs, our first thought or our first response is to sue our brothers. That's what we have courts for. That's why we have judges to bring justice where injustice occurs, right? Did you like that bass voice how I got down into that? So today we're going to be continuing our series in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1-8. through And the Scripture's talking about lawsuits among your brothers. If you'll look that Scripture up, 1 Corinthians 6, 1-8. Did you find the fire scene for me? Did you really? The fireplace? Scandalous church. I asked them if they could put a fireplace up there for me. I wore my Mr. Rogers sweater, and I just thought it could be a cozy time in the neighborhood this morning, right? So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1-8. through When you find that, I'll read that in just a minute. But did you know that America is considered the lawsuit-happy nation in the world? In 2016 there was reported that there were 1,315,561 lawyers licensed in America. We have more lawyers per capita than the 10 largest nations combined. We have over 70% of the world's lawyers in the world. Did you know that? You want to guess which city in America has the most lawyers in their city? Anybody want to guess? Los Angeles, where? New York, good. Somebody else? Boston, D. C. Washington, D.C. is actually right. There's one lawyer for every 784 people. And uh, did you notice that? Isn't, isn't that just an amazing number? But we live in a world where we deal with conflict in the court. And as believers, I think there's some good lessons for us to learn today. So let's look at Scripture. Let's look at this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses one through probably, I don't know. We'll we'll go until we stop, right? And if you have a dispute with one another, dare he take it before an ungodly judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are the judge of the world, are you not uh, contemplating to judge trivial cases, competent to judge trivial places? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How many more of the things of this life? Therefore, if you have a dispute with such a matter, appoint for yourself judges every man of every little account in the church. And I say this to shame you. That was sarcasm, right? And some of you are troubled by sarcastic people, but this is a bit of a sarcastic uh, verse. It is possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between two believers. Verse 6, this is what we should do. But instead, one brother goes against another brother, and this is in front of unbelievers. The, the very fact that you have a lawsuit among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourself cheat and you do wrong and you do this to your brother. Do you not know that the wicked will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulteresses, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greeds, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what... You were, but you were washed and you were sacrificed and you were justified by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This morning as we continue through the theme of looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, by the way, my name's Bill. I've been asked to fill in for Charlie. I, I wear multiple different hats in life. Some of you do similar. At work, they call me Judge. I serve as Justice of the Peace in Williamson County Precinct 3. On December the 31st will be my last day as Justice of the Peace in that court. I recently was involved in a political election and I accidentally won. And uh, for those that voted for me, thank you. And for those that did not, may God forgive you. But thank you um, for that. But as Justice of the Peace, I handle lawsuits. In my court, the court that I currently lead, is the 22nd busiest judicial court in the entire state of Texas. In my court, in the last five and a half years, we've closed over 85,000 court cases. Is that a lot to you guys? Now, most of them are pretty simple. Let's, let's be honest. They're, they're, they're criminal cases that involve traffic tickets, right? Some of you get traffic tickets on a regular basis. Raise your hands. You know who you are, right? So, you know what's ironic is I won the election as county judge, right? I went to commissioner's court because I went to the courthouse, right? My granddaughter refers to the courthouse as Paw Paw's Castle. I I went to the castle for a meeting, Jeffrey, my good attorney. I went to the castle for a meeting, and I parked there longer than two hours this past Tuesday. Do you know what happened? I got a parking ticket. (laughs) I thought that was ironic. Don't you think that's ironic? Now, I could, you know throw some weight around and get out of the ticket, but that's immoral and wrong and I broke the law, right? Well, I didn't know it was a law, but now I know it is a law, but ignorance of the law is not an excuse from the law. It seems like a judge has said that many times in court. Dead gummit, those things come back to bite you, don't they? So I handle uh, a lot of criminal cases, but I also handle civil cases as well. And I have to tell you, as a judge sitting in court, for people that are coming in to sue one another, is the least fun thing that I do. Because people are mad. And you would be really surprised at what some people would sue each other over. And by the way, I have to give you this political disclaimer based upon law. The words that I'm offering today in no way are legal opinions. As a judge, I could never offer a legal opinion or give you legal advice. That would be unlawful. I'm not doing that. I'm just a simple person that's a member of River Rock Bible Church who got suckered into delivering this message because Pastor is playing in Guatemala or somewhere. <laughs> Did I get my disclaimer? Thank you. I just want to make sure I'm not offering legal advice. You'd be surprised at some of the things I hear in court. These are true stories in my own courtroom. Are you ready? How about the time that I had two Sun Cityans in court and one neighbor was suing the other neighbor? One neighbor had Bermuda grass and the other neighbor had St. Augustine grass. And the neighbor with Bermuda grass was so upset that the man with St. Augustine wouldn't convert his whole yard that the neighbor with, with Bermuda grass, when he would mow near the property line, he would make sure that his shoot would shoot the grass over into his property and that he would make sure that he watered the whole area excessively to cause grass to grow. Right? And so they're neighbors. And there are reasons for lawsuits, right? When we can't reach a conclusion with one another, you do have to settle those in some way. And in some cases, I'm really grateful that they came to court. But I'm telling you, Nicole, I'm sitting there going, really, we're in court because you were letting your grass grow in another man's place, right? Seriously, that's really the suit that was there. I don't remember how I ruled. But what I do remember is this, that when it was over with, they both were very unhappy with me. The one thing that I've learned as a judge in court is that 90% of the time, both parties walk out of the court unhappy. And here's what's funny. If you're the judge and you rule the way somebody wants you to, you're the most amazing judge in the world. But if you rule the way that they didn't want you to rule, you're an idiot and I can't believe we elected you to sit in that seat. Right? Now, you know when you've been a really good job when the same person walks out and says, that judge was brilliant and he's an idiot. Because that literally means that you got the ruling right. You know, what's interesting in court, people really want you to rule their way and they get really passionate and they get really emotional. And uh, by the way, the two guys that were living beside each other, they were in such a confrontation, and such a conflict, that ultimately one of them had to move away. But that's not the funniest case that I ever had in court. The funniest case I ever had in court happened when I began as a judge. I'd only been on the bench um, about six weeks or six months, and I knew it was going to be a train wreck when you show up to court and the media is there with you. Now, I'm not opposed to the media. I just don't like them. (laughs) But when they come to your court, that tells you something is not going to go well that day for somebody, right? There were TV crews there. There were reporters there. And I'm thinking, why are we in court? And believe it or not, most judges, if they're great judges, they don't look at the facts of the case before they get in court. In fact, that's really unethical for a judge to do that. As a judge, you literally sit the bench, right? When you're sitting the bench, you hear facts from this side and facts from this side and your job as the judge is to call the balls and strikes. Believe it or not, in the Bermudic grass case or the St. Augustine grass case, I could have heard the facts of the case, then I could have went to the back and I could have picked up the phone and call a friend who does yards and who does irrigation and ask for their opinion and wisdom, but that's unlawful. That's un. Well, it's ex parte communication. It's something you can't do. As a judge, you only rule on the facts that are in front of you. And ironically, I would tell you this, and I want you to listen to me. For those of you that have been to court and like your judges and hate your judges, let me say this. It is my experience 99% of the time that the judges get it right. The problem is this. The judge can only call the balls and the strikes on the pitch that's thrown their way. you are representing yourself, let me just say this, you may be a fool. Because people representing themselves don't know how to present the facts. And some of you may be a fool in the attorney you hired because attorneys don't always get it right either. I'm just saying. Right? So, funniest case they ever had in court. True story. By the way, there's a magazine called Texas Monthly. Anybody ever seen Texas Monthly? You know, they do an annual piece called the Bum Steer Award. All right? Anybody ever heard of that? The Bump Steer Award is where they list some of the stupid things that happened in Texas. Each year they pick a case, a court case, that may be the stupidest court case that happened in America. It just so happened that this happened in my court. And I really don't remember how I ruled on this matter. And I'm not saying that I was right or that I was wrong. I'm just saying I was a judge. Headlines. Bump Steer Award. The defendant says, the fine, Judge, just round it down to an infinite billion dollars an hour and we'll put it all behind us. In a hearing over a long-standing property line dispute in Florence, Texas, a Williamson County Justice of the Peace ruled that the property owner, Dan so-and-so, in spite of his assertion to the contrary, could not bill his next-door neighbor $1,000 per second for trespassing. It was a court case, again, between two neighbors. See the correlation here? Court case between two neighbors. They were suing each other because they had been involved in a dispute with each other for 23 years. And they were suing each other because one man had walked onto another man's property to retrieve his bull. By the way, you want to have a complicated matter before you, be a judge who hears a case from somebody who owns the heifer that's pregnant by the bull that is not theirs. <laughs> You're laughing, I'm serious. <laughs> In that particular case that we're talking about, when this neighbor went to retrieve his, his uh, steer that was on his property, the neighbor was there with a camera. And on the camera, he said, I am billing you a $1,000 per second. And in court, I think the lawsuit was somewhere for 16 or $18 million. Which is great. Let me tell you why it's great. Because in my court, I only have jurisdiction up to $10,000. And you know what's funny is you can't, you can't stop people from filing suits. Right, Jeff? They get to file their suits. So all of these guys are in court. I'm beginning to sweat. The media is there. He's suing for $16.8 million. And I'm going, hey, I got this. I looked at him and said, sir, this case is dismissed. The court does not have jurisdiction. He walked out the back door and said, that's the worst judge I've ever seen in my life. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And the other guy agreed with him because he wanted it all to end. The good news is they were able to file it in another court in our county and not to resolve the matter there. And since that time, one of those guys has died. But conflict. How do we deal with it in the church? And what does God's Word say about that. I, uh, by the way, can I give a free cur- commercial announcement? You know you have a new Justice of the Peace in Williamson County Precinct 3. She's replacing me. She's going to be sworn in on January the 1st. Her name's Judge Evelyn McLean. She's yeah, sitting right there in the back. Congratulations. And welcome to the world of stupid lawsuits. You will be amazing at that and do a wonderful job. Do we sue one another, and is it right? Or when is it not right? And I think those are good questions for us to ask. By the way, we need to be careful that when we sue someone, we may not always have the outcome that we expect. In fact, I would say this to you, very seldom do we ever get the outcome that we want. You know, it's interesting that people tell me all of the time, you know, I was right What they really want, folks say, I want my day in court, I want justice, but do you know what I've experienced as a judge? Most people just want vengeance. Do you understand the difference between justice and vengeance? Justice is making things fair, which is what the court should do, but most people want vengeance. They really want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. No, I'm serious. The two guys with the Bermuda grass in the St. Augustine, they would have been okay if I would have plucked somebody's eye out or ripped somebody's tooth out and swapped it with them. They would have loved that as a reward. When you go to court, you don't always have the outcome that you want. A few years back, there was a great civil attorney. It's a movie called Civil Action. You should watch it. It's a lawyer by the name of Schliederman. Schleiderman was representing some people from Massachusetts. It was, a, it was a working class family lawsuit against a large industry that had put pollutants or contaminants in the water in Massachusetts. But things didn't exactly turn out the way that those families wanted. The court case took nine years. And expenses mounted so much that Schleiderman himself, the attorney, he lost his Porsche, he lost his condo fighting and advocating for the families. He even had to file personal bankruptcy. It was such a disaster. And the case went so poorly that he actually surrendered his law license in Massachusetts and he moved to Hawaii. It didn't work the way that the family wanted, even though that injustice or injustice occurred. Sleederman was so devastated that he quit. He moved to Hawaii and he opened up a private business there. But a few years later, he returned back to legal practice and obtained his license in Hawaii. And again, he got involved in class action suits. He was representing eight families who had built land on a toxic waste site by the Colonial Gas Company. The residents were already suffering from heart disease and lung disease, and some had even lost their life because of it. Now, years before, Schliedermann, who had rushed to file multiple multi-million dollar lawsuits and who had commissioned uh, very expensive expert studies, took scores of depositions, but this time he realized that that cost was too high. This time in Hawaii, he entered into a three-way mediation between colonial gas and state regulators. And after only six months, he was able to negotiate a settlement for each family involved of $2.75 million, of course, without the company admitting liability. And the company also cleaned up the property and paid for their homes and relocated the families. You know, there are two things that you can learn from that story. First, lawsuits don't always turn out real well. And second, you're not always going to win, even when you have the facts on your side. Schlederman learned that in the second case, that instead of going before a judge, it was important to drag his clients before a mediator or an arbitrator to solve that conflict. And by the way, mediation is very biblical. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. You know, it was interesting. It was uh, a few nights before the election and I was uh, at a men's event having a steak dinner and one of the men there said, you know, after the election, I need to talk to you, Judge. And man, he was angry. And I thought, wow, what, why are you so angry? We were at men's steak night and I was excited about getting a steak, a big old glass of tea, and a sweet potato. And I said, tell me what's going on. He said, well, now it's not appropriate. It's right before the election. I said, no, we're, we're Christians. We're brothers. Tell, tell me what's going on. He said, well, you didn't rule the way we wanted you to in the, loss, in the, in the eviction case. And he said, in fact, my partners were so mad at you that we went around to all of the locations where we had given permission for your political signs and other candidates that we took them all down. I said, wow, you guys were really upset. I said, I don't even really know what you're talking about. And he reminded me about the case. And uh, I uh, pulled up on my phone the facts of the case and I looked at it. And uh, he said, yeah, you, you just ruled wrong. And I said, "Well." why didn't one of you men come and say something to me or ask me in court for an explanation of my ruling? He said, well, you can't ever ask a judge that. I said, sure you can. It's called a finding of facts and conclusions. And he goes, well, you just got it wrong. We, we, we just, we're just just angry at you. And, and I said, well, is there anything I can do to make it right? He said, no, you just, you just messed up. And I said, well, ask me for a findings of facts and conclusions. He said, I want a finding of facts and conclusions. The case was already closed before me so I could speak about it. And he said, why did you rule against us? I said, well, it was an eviction case. And my daughter, who is an expert in landlord-tenant disputes from the time that she worked at property management, the, the law expressly says that if you're going to evict someone from a property... You have to post the notice of the eviction if you have access to the interior of the front door. Do you know why I dismissed the case? Because they duct taped it on the outside of the front door. And they had keys to the property. They had access to the property. There were no wild animals in the property that could have harmed them. It was a procedural matter. See? You may think that you're right. But if you don't know what you're doing, sometimes when you get to court, you may not like the outcome. Right? Before you sue a brother, you should think long and hard about that. Alright, so what does the Bible say? How do we deal with conflict? Right? All right. here's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says this. First, if you have odd against your brother, and by the way, this is Christian among Christians. If you have something against your brother, do you know what the first thing is that you're to do with that? person somebody tell me come on go to them right right do what confront them right so if you're at home and you have a disagreement with your wife how many of you go and retain an attorney first before you even have a conversation no because she will kill you for doing that (laughs) right that's how we deal with conflict in relationships isn't that right We go one to another. The Scripture says that if you have something against your brother, that you should go to your brother. And by the way, had you ever thought about that maybe going to your brother would be a... But you know what we don't do? We don't go to our brothers. We let it fester up, don't we? Don't we? Have you guys ever got a splinter or a little piece of wood in your finger? And you you know it's there. It hurts you. You can't get it out. But what happens? It begins to swell up. It begins to get inflamed. Pus builds up, and it turns pretty gross, doesn't it? That's what happens when we're in the midst of conflict with people. I I kind of fall back to the old Barney Fife motif of conflict, right? I like this quote. I don't know if it's original with him, but I'm using it today giving him credit for it. But Barney just talked about problems or conflict. When it happens, you know what we need to do? We need to nip it and nip it in the bud. I've just learned that if you have something against your brother, don't let that build up go to your brother. And can I tell you a secret? Nine times out of ten, they probably don't even know you have a conflict with them. Sometimes in conflict, some of us thrive and live in conflict and we enjoy the weight of that dragging us down. And can I tell you something? That is a weight you do not need to bear. It is too much of a weight. And and some of you, let me just say this, and it's been my experience: some people are just conflict lovers. They just, I just, you know, I just, I got a mm, mm, yeah, you know, seriously, get a freaking life. <laughs> Can I say that as a judge, Pastor probably, Charlie probably wouldn't approve that message, but really, get a life. You got too many important things to work on, and too many great things to celebrate. Instead of being in conflict with your brother. So the Scripture says this, if you have a problem with your brother, go to your brother. It's so interesting, in court now, my very first question when we have civil lawsuits that come before me, you know what my very first question is? They tell me their side of the story, they tell me their side of the story, then I ask them this, have you guys even talked to each other? And do you know what they say about 99% of the time? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. And do you know what Paw Judge does? I say, well, isn't this an amazing day? You're going to get to practice something, we call it America, an adult conversation. And I'm going to give you two an opportunity, if you're willing, to go into the jury room or to go into the conference room and have a conversation. And you know, they go, you, you like talk to each other? They're like, yeah, do it, right? Send them to the conference room. In the conference room, by the way, I think that's pretty biblical, isn't it? In the conference room, if they choose not to talk to each other, then I order them to go to something called mediation. It's not an option, it's not a recommendation, and it is expensive. Would you believe now that in my court, in the beginning, I used to hear all the cases until I heard how stupid some of them were, but now I order all cases, the very first step they have to do is talk to each other, and the very second step they have to do is go to mediation. Now in my court, about 88% of the cases never come before the judge. Because when they go to mediation, they get to tell their side. They get to tell their side. They find an agreement that works for them. So the Bible says this, that if you have something against your brother or they've done something to offend you, then go to them. The second thing that it says that if your brother does not receive this, then to take a couple of witnesses with you. Let's say, can we just say hypothetically, I want to say Jeff, who's the chairman of our elder board who I've never had a conflict with and I never will have a conflict with because he's a brother in Christ, but I want to use him hypothetically now, right? Could I do that? And he's a lawyer, so he can take my picking, right? Jeff and I have a conflict. If Jeff and I can't work out that conflict, then the Scripture says that I'm to take two folks with me, right? And what if I were to say, hey, Greg, would you go with me Nicole, would you guys go with me to have this conversation with Jeff? Now, don't tell Jeff and Nicole or Greg and Nicole everything because then they'll be prejudiced one way or the other. Let them hear all the set of facts involved. That's the second step is to take someone with you maybe as an innocent observer that can help you to see both sides. That's what the Bible says to do. Then the third thing the Scripture says to do if that Jeff and I can't resolve our conflict, we're Christians, Right? What we normally do in the Christian church is when we can't resolve our conflicts, we let it fester up and we just go to a new church. And then we get another splinter there and we let that fester up and we just go to a new church. Right? The Scripture says that if Jeff and I can't resolve our conflict and somebody can't come in and help us resolve that, then it says to bring it before the church. I think in our setting, the right setting is if you do have a conflict with someone that you can't resolve in private, I think the right setting is for you to bring that before our elders. That's what the Bible says to do. So, that's all you need to know out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You got that? Will you tell pastor I covered what I was supposed to? Alright? Now, one last thing I do want to say to you. And there's a few things I want to say to you about this. There are occasions where you need to sue someone. But you should be very slow to sue someone. Because you're not always going to like the outcome. And it's going to be expensive. And it's going to hurt a lot of feelings. Let me give you a couple of examples of lawsuits that occurred that I believe are appropriate. By the way, it's, if you have a conflict with a Christian brother, you're to take it to them. If you have a conflict with someone who is not a person of faith, taking them through the path that I just described is probably not going to be something they're willing to do. Right? So there are legal paths to handle that. They're courts, right? That's why we have judges. But please remember that we're just judges And we're not God. And that we do make mistakes. By the way, do you know the difference between God and a judge? God doesn't think He's a judge. Think about that just for a moment. There is a disease that infiltrates the judiciary and it's never talked about publicly, but could I talk about it just for a moment? It's called robitis. It's when you get the robe and you think you're above the law and beyond the law. And let me tell you one thing that God has talked to me about. By the way, I am a judge and I am a person of faith, but when I get to heaven, He's not going to say, Judge Gravel, it's an honor to have you in my presence. You know where I'm going to be when we get to heaven? Right beside you on my knees before holy God. And I ain't going to be wearing no robe. Well, not a judicial robe anyway, right? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I do want some pretty kicking wings though, right? That's can can I have wings in heaven? So when are lawsuits right? Sometimes lawsuits are right when you have to sue business or industry. Right? Let's say hypothetically you bought a new car today at, at a local dealership and tomorrow you drove today you drove it off the lot and it loses what? About eight to ten thousand dollars in value in driving it off the lot. Tomorrow, there's a fire inside your vehicle and it burns your vehicle up. Then you find out that there was a GM defect that wasn't taken care of appropriately on a brand new vehicle. What's your recourse? I think first you go to the car dealership and you try to resolve that and go, hey, I need some help here. Maybe the car dealership says, wait a minute, we're not going to give you back all of your money. You're crazy. What's your recourse after that? Lawsuit but you need to be aware of this. It's going to be very expensive and it may not work out the way you want. But it may be your only recourse. So there were two lawsuits that I read about and there are hundreds of examples, but these are the two that I picked out. Back in 2017, a school district in San Diego, California, ordered a teacher to remove the banner from her classroom. And the banner that was on her classroom uh, contained these words, In God We Trust... Another banner said, One nation under God. Another banner said, God bless America. She had another banner that said, God shed his grace on thee. The school district ordered her to remove the banners, and she tried to negotiate and work with the school because she believed that those were founding principles written into things like our Pledge of Allegiance, right? Our patriotic songs. Or perhaps, in God we trust, like the official motto of America? And she couldn't resolve that, and so she took them to court and she sued them, and she won. That's an example of when a lawsuit's appropriate. Wouldn't you agree? Another example of a lawsuit that's appropriate was a woman in Detroit. She was threatened for eviction from her apartment because she had a sign hanging in her window that said 24-hour prayer station. She was given a notice for eviction. Now in Texas, that would never happen because that's not a a lawful reason to evict someone. Matter of fact, your judges in Texas would dismiss the case. But in this particular instance, it wasn't until she got involved in a lawsuit and that the American Civil Liberty Union law firm represented her uh, that it was able to be dismissed. So there are times that lawsuits are appropriate. There are also times that innovation and creativity is appropriate too. In a book called Thunder of Bare Feet, we're told about a sheep man in India. You're gonna like this one. This sheep man, and that's how they refer to them in India, not shepherds, but this sheepman in India whose neighbor's dog kept killing a sheep. Ordinarily in India, sheepmen usually countered the problem with lawsuits. And if that worked, then they used barbed wire. Then, if that didn't work, they used shotguns. But this man wanted to do something different. This man started out by giving lambs away to his neighbor's children as pets. And in due time, when all of the neighbors had their own small flocks, they began to tie up their dogs. That put an end to the problem. Lawsuits are appropriate. But I have to warn you that if you sue your brother, you may not like the outcome. Sometimes going to her brother is the right solution, and sometimes it's not. But I can tell you this that I've been more heartbroken by the trivial things that I've seen people sue one another over. And I have to tell you, it is devastating to this judge when I sit in a court of law and I see that a mother is suing a son or a brother is suing a father or a grandchild is suing a grandparent for a piece of property. I love what I do and the privilege to serve but there are some, some things that I've seen that have made me scratch my head and wonder why. So that's all I know about lawsuits in God and God's Word. Next week when you come back to River Rock Bible Church, everything's gonna get back to normal and Pastor Charlie will be here. If you're here today and you're a guest for the first time and you wonder what have I got into, I would remind you of this. Do not judge me. <laughs> you are not the judge. But remember that it will get back to normal. Now, we're going to go a different direction just for a moment. One of the things that I do as a judge is I handle death investigations. It is my job as a judge to determine the cause and manner of people's deaths. In fact, in my time as a judge, I've handled over 700 death investigations. And in here, in just a moment, after Jeff leads us in a prayer for the offering, I'm going to run out the back door to another call. But I want to talk to you about something that occurred early this morning. There is a wonderful lady that has been a part of our church uh, by the name of Colby Todd. Colby has been fighting cancer uh, like you can't imagine. Her husband Justin, Jason, Jason and what's the kid, little girl's name? Jason and Riley, how old's Riley? Five years old. How old's Colby? 37. Colby this morning lost her battle with cancer. Our pastor's not here. He's heartbroken that he can't stand beside the family and be there with them. And He will be back in days. And our elders will fill in the gap. But I thought it was important for you to hear that message today. And I think it's important for us to pause and pray. Because we've got a dad who is now a widower and a little baby girl, five-year-old, who no longer has a mom. I want to tell you about Kobe before we pray. In just a moment, I'm going to ask Jeff, the chairman of our elder board, to come lead us in a special time of prayer. The last time I spoke at River Rock, Kobe called me and asked if she could have an appointment with the judge. I knew that she was fighting for her life, and this has been a couple of months back, and I took my wife, Jill, And Kobe asked me the question if it was morally wrong for her to stop taking the medicine that she was using for treatment. And we talked through those, and I gave her my opinion. And then she asked me what heaven was like. And we got to talk some about that. I am devastated at our loss as a church. And I am heartbroken for her husband and for her baby. But as devastated as I am and as heartbroken as I am, Kobe today has a better understanding of heaven than any of us will ever have until that day. I'm going to ask whether you do or don't know her um, and her husband and their little girl, I'm gonna ask that you would join with me and covet together to pray for them. He is where Psalms chapter twenty three says he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And what he really needs is some folks that are willing to walk with him. Right? Jeff, would you uh, come and lead us in a time of prayer, uh, please?